Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, the show where we tell real stories from real people and get real solutions. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile, how to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and today we're talking about confidence, body language, and communication with Karen Donaldson. We also have a surprise for you at the end of the show, so make sure you listen all the way through. Do you ever wonder if someone is telling the truth, especially over Zoom? Do you want to communicate better with more confidence in your genuine, authentic voice? Today, we're talking to the fabulous confidence coach, amazing celebrity communication and body language expert, Karen Donaldson. Hear her suggestions for when you just don't feel like doing what's in front of you. Plus, learn how to sound confident, how to communicate clearly with both your words and body language, and most important, how to reduce that negative self-talk in your head so that you can speak and present clearly in order to get the results you want in life. Own, choose, and redefine what you believe about yourself. Gain self-esteem and confidence in just today's episode. Karen's so chatty and fun. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Karen. Thank you so much for having me here today, Lauren. It's so appreciated, and I'm excited to get chatting. Okay, so how did you pick what you do for a living or did it pick you, which happens oftentimes? That's a really good question. And it basically picked me. I always say I have chapter one of my life and chapter two of my life. So I did not intend on being a communication, body language and confidence coach by any means. However, chapter one of my life involved me being, you know, I'm a professional dancer and a professional dance choreographer. So stage is something that I've been on since kind of age 10. I used to travel across North America with a dance company that I used to dance with. And then I became the artistic director and lead choreographer. But this whole communications and body language piece was kind of born out of my last year of high school. And my last year of high school, I, you know, I'm Canadian, first of all, and my last year of high school, I received a track scholarship to the USA. And I was absolutely ecstatic, as were my peers and the teachers at my school. And that was in the fall when I received that letter. And right after Christmas, I found out I was pregnant and I had to decline the scholarship. And when everyone else in the school found out I was pregnant, I literally lost all of my friends, the teachers that I thought you know, liked me and we were friends, that type of thing. We're speaking badly behind my back. And I was really down on myself. And there was literally one day, and this is my defining moment. And I, it's only now I know to call it my defining moment. You know, when you're younger, things just happen to you. And not until you get older, you're like, shoot, (laughs) that's what it was. Yeah. We don't have the verbiage or the, any of that. You got it. You don't have the knowledge to, to call it that. But nonetheless, I was walking home and I saw myself in the bus shelter And I looked at myself eye to eye and I literally said, well, Karen, you're allowing the words and actions of others to define you. Because up until that point, people were so mean to me. And I said, you know what, Karen, you're not diseased. You're not contagious. You're not dying. You're only pregnant. And if someone has an issue with that, let them be with that, but know what you know to be true about you and define yourself and stop allowing their actions and their opinions to define you. And that was basically my mantra. And I went back to school and said, well, Karen, you define you. They don't, unless you allow them to. Went back to school with my head on strong. You know, I graduated at the top of my class, a presidential award. I was a valedictorian that year, you know, standing at the stage. Uh, I was at what, eight months pregnant. Eight, yeah, eight, seven or eight months pregnant at that time. And it was 
phenomenal because after that, my speaking career was born. I was invited by other high schools to come out and speak around leadership and perseverance. Then it went to universities and colleges. Then all of a sudden, one of the professor's partners reached out to me. Then it went to corporate. Then I was doing leadership retreats. And that's how it was born. That's really incredible. Like at that age to get to that kind of knowledge or inner strength, did your parents give that to you? Where did you get that? That's a real interesting question because I was having this conversation with a really good friend of mine before. And, you know, he was asking me, Karen, where was that confidence stuff born? And Lauren, in truth, even before I was pregnant, I was, kind of, I was a force to be reckoned with because my whole thing, I, I, was, I've been, I was born chatty. So I've always been chatty. And <laughs> My parents always used to tell me to stop talking and stop asking questions. So I was always that inquisitive one of, well, why is it like that? Well, how come? And kind of, why, why can't I? So I don't even know. And you know, it's, it's my mom. I was raised by a single mom after my grade eighth year in school. And she told us there's nothing you cannot do. And I believed it. And I went, I walked in life as if there was nothing I couldn't do. And like the only thing that could stop me is me not actually doing it. And that's all I know to believe. I love your mom. I mean, that is so incredible. Yeah. Oh, she's a bomb and she worked tirelessly for me. You know what I mean? For us, I'm one of three girls and she worked, she did the night shift so she could be there in the day with us. So she worked for me 11 p.m. She made sure we had dinner. She tucked us in. She locked us into the house and she went to work and she came back at seven o'clock and she made us breakfast and she combed our hair and we went to school. That was her life. And she's like, if you want to do it. Yeah, great. That, that's amazing. And, childhood. <laughs> and so you've been speaking forever, like your whole life. It is. So when I say, when I, when I speak to audiences or clients who are on stage and I say I've been speaking for 20 plus years, everyone gets out their calculator. Well, how old were you? What year did you? I'm like, that's none of your business and it doesn't matter. Just know that I've been speaking for over 20 years and coaching for over 10. Leave it alone. (laughs) I mean, that's just so incredible that you could just come to some place in high school. I mean, my youngest is a senior in high school and to just think, well, now, I mean, he's doing high school at home, but yeah, he just, others don't define me and I'm my own person and it's it just no peer pressure won't get to me. It's just amazing. You know, one of the things as I relook at my childhood or, you know, my adolescent years in high school and, you know, times were different back then. So there wasn't a lot of cliques. So at that time, everyone listened to Madonna and everyone was wearing Madonna bracelets. It didn't matter what your culture, your background was, everyone was wearing Madonna bracelets. And I literally hung out with everyone. So I was that athletic type. So yes, my locker was in the jock hallway, but I sat in the music hallway and I chilled with the people in the band and I sat with a choir at lunchtime and the people who were quote unquote, they called nerds at that time, which my friends too, sometimes I sat with them at lunch. So I was also that person who was just like, listen, if I like you and we like each other, what's the problem? If you don't like it, don't look. And as I think about it, I'm like, shoot, I kind of thought like that for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's, it's just such a great place to come from. And are your kids like that too? Or I guess it's so different now. Everything is just so different. It really is. I mean, the internet has changed how or has impacted and influenced how people think more so. You know, back then there were days of the, there were, there was no internet, you know, it was like a pay phone and you tell someone you'll meet them there and you hope that they do and you just wait for them. But my, my kids are phenomenal. Like I have, I have three kids. My two eldest are girls and my youngest is a boy. 
my eldest is as vocal as I am. And my middle daughter is a middle child by every definition that you can find in the world. So she's vocal as well. And my son is a total opposite. He's very observant, but super quiet. So my two girls have it. And when my son needs to turn it on, he can, but he's opposite of his sisters. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have, a, I have a chatty girl and a quieter son. Yes, definitely. Because <laughs> they just can't compete with the girls. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Yeah, oh. definitely. So the roadblocks and, and when you hit those in your life, because clearly they keep going. And I've heard you talk about how you'll walk into a room and people think, oh, there's the assistant. Can you get me this or that? Like, when, why don't you talk about those a little bit? And no, what- for sure. That's really good. That's something that has not stopped occurring. So everyone's <laughs> listening to the podcast. You can't see me. So I am a black woman. And my name is also Karen Donaldson, which you could call it ambiguous, right? You can't really set say that, you know, Karen will be a whatnot. So quite often I go into an office and let me give people a little bit of background. So I'm a communication, body language and confidence coach. And with my communications coaching, I primarily work with C-suite executives. So CEOs, COOs, VPs, politicians. However, they often refer me. They don't look me up online. They see their peer, they say, okay, what have you been doing? They say, I'm working with this coach. They're like, great, who is she? And I get hired. So the first time they're seeing me is at the office. So apparently I don't look like Karen Donaldson, the senior executive communication coach, whatever that looks like. So here's how it goes. Lauren, I walk into the office and I, of course, I go up and I speak to the receptionist and I say, hi, my name is Karen Donaldson. I'm here to see Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. And probably four out of 10 times, they look down and they ensure that I'm on the calendar or on their computer screen and they look up and they say, you're Karen Donaldson. And I say, yes, I'm Karen Donaldson. And they, they look at me like they, they dare cotton headlights for a moment to register that I'm saying that I'm Karen Donaldson. And sometimes they go as far as, and this has happened on numerous occasions, even you know this past year and, and 2019 as well. Are you Karen Donaldson's assistant? I said, no, I'm Karen Donaldson. Are you Karen's intern? Is Karen being dropped off at the front door? So they always question if I'm the actual Karen Donaldson who's coming to coach their CEO. COO or whatever. And there's, you know, it's been a couple of times where I've sat down. I'll tell you this one time I went in and the secretary questioned me and she asked me if I was Karen Donaldson, similar to what I've just shared. And then she said, okay, please have a seat. She picked up the phone and then called her boss and said, hi, there's a Karen, there's a black woman out here who said she's Karen Donaldson here to coach you. And you know, that moment, I tell you, this was like later on when I was a bit older, because if I was younger, I would have gotten up and told her a piece of my mind. However, (laughs) at that point in my life, I knew better. And I knew that I was there to do a job and she doesn't define who I am and what I do. And I chose not to say anything to her directly. However, when I went into my client's office, I let him know so he could handle it. Right. So yeah, that's an occurrence. Are you, are you're, you're the Karen, you're Karen Donaldson. Yeah. That's what I get. It's fun. I play with it now. It's fun now. At first yeah. it was offensive. I'm like, you know what? People are people. I'm not going to take offense because I know what I'm here to do and I know what I can do. So I play with it. And sometimes I'm like, hold on a second, let me get her. And I walk out of the office and I walk back in <laughs> and I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Life's too short. 
I, I mean, they usually think I'm the paralegal or that in my actual office building where it's my entire suite and everything, they think I'm a realtor in the building and, you know, like they, <laughs> like, yeah. So, so you know what I mean? Well, absolutely. I don't have any idea why, I, <laughs> but I, I just wrote a blog on imposter syndrome too, because half the time I'm like, oh my God, they think I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, but it's the same thing. I mean, look at these kids. They think I'm a mom. I'm like playing like I'm a mom or something, you know, like right. this thing. Like, uh, anyway, but that's other people as opposed to me on the inside. But yeah, there you go. And so many people, they feel judged. They're worried about people judging them. I'm kind of, I was told what people think about me is none of my business. And I just, some people are going to like me, some won't. And I just keep going, but everybody isn't of that ilk. How do you help people when they're so scared about people judging them and what they think and, and so on? That's a really good question. You're right. Not everyone is made that way and that's okay we're not supposed to be made the same and, and when i'm working with my my clients and things like that i bring it back i reel it back to this because i can give people strategies to deal with judgment but it doesn't truly shift anything for the long term until we have a conversation around what do you believe to be true about you you see Right. And when I ask that question, Lauren, here's what I mean. Like, here's what I'm looking for. And here's what I dig for. And I encourage anyone who's listening to dig for this too. Like, write it down. What do I believe to be true about myself? And as you write it down, okay, so I'm a kind person. I'm happy. I'm make a laundry list. And at that same time, after you've finished making that list, look at the messages on there that aren't actually yours, but are messages that your parents have told you teachers have told you, people in um, authoritative positions have told you, your partner, your spouse, your, your mom, your dad, whoever has told you over and over and over. So you've somewhat absorbed it and you believed it to be true. But like, this is a moment where I want you to own your self-belief. And I want it to be made up of what you choose to think about you, not what you've adopted, not what you've heard over and 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 over again, but you choose it. So let go of judgment and ask yourself that one question. Because some of the time, and I wouldn't even say a lot of the time, some of the time, the beliefs that we have, the truths that we have about ourselves aren't even ours. And like that's a starting point. And you want to look at those and, and release it and say, okay, that isn't mine. You know, people have always called me that. You know, I had a young lady I worked with and she said, you know, she kept saying, you know, I hope you don't think I'm stupid. I hope you don't think I'm stupid. I'm like, why do you keep saying that? Where does that come from? It's like, well, you know what? When I grew up, I was really pretty, but everyone thought I was stupid. And I'm like, do you believe you're stupid? She's like, she paused. And we had this long conversation of where it came from. And her, her cousins from a young age called her stupid because they were feeling insecure because she was cute. She's just a cute little kid. And I'm like, what do you actually believe to be true about yourself? She's like, you know, I'm smart and I'm great in math. And she continued and she starts to create her own self-belief. And that's where people need to start when you're going to deal with judgment. Because when I can say, you know what, I'm smart. I like this and this is me. And that's okay. You can start to walk in the world being okay with yourself as is. And that's where it starts. When I know, okay, I'll even say myself, so I'm Karen, I'm a black woman, I'm a friendly person. 
I also know that my, my smile's lopsided and I have tiny wrists and like these things used to bug me. Okay. <laughs> and as I own that and say, you know what, I'm supposed to be different and this is me, but I'm really good with people and I can always make people smile. That's what I believe to be true about myself. Now, when I walk in life, I'm okay with me and everyone else, what they choose to believe about me, it doesn't really matter because I can only take ownership of my belief in myself. So the step is to realize that we need to own and choose that and redefine that. And if we have it in life, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you've never paused and asked yourself, what do I believe to be true about myself? Most often you're living in someone else's truth. You're living in what you've heard for far too long. And like, that's where it starts to ch shift and change for you to be able to be, to manage judgment when you go out there, because judgment is guaranteed. See how change is guaranteed. See how it's guaranteed that the sun will rise and go down. Judgment is just as guaranteed, right? So if we can start owning your self-belief and walking into spaces saying, you know what? I know, Lauren, I'm going to go into this room and everyone's going to look at me as I walk in because they're seated and I'm standing, but I'm okay with myself. You know what? It's okay what they think because they're actually entitled to think what they think. But what's most important is what I think and believe to be true about myself, which is important for you to intentionally choose. Definitely. Can I, can, can we just go back to the small wrists? <laughs> oh Yeah. Oh yeah, I have like super, so <laughs> now everyone, if you ever see me online, you're gonna look at my wrist. It's okay. I actually have tiny hands and tiny wrists. I have tiny hands. I never gave my wrists a thought. All of a sudden I'm like, do I have small wrists? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like minimize <laughs> everything else you just said. I'm just like. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I have tiny. Like, I mean, when I go fitted for jewelry or I go out with the kids shopping. Oh, okay. So I'll give you a joke. My wedding band. Uh -huh. can fit on my kids, all of my kids' baby finger. Oh, wow. I, I, I have tiny. I have tiny. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just, but I never gave my wrist one thought. Oh, yeah. Lyra is super <laughs> And I love it. And that's me. Wow. But everyone has their stuff, right? Yes. Everybody has their stuff. Everybody has their stuff. And we're supposed to be different, though. And if you're trying to fit in, know that you're doing the wrong thing. And walking into a room where everyone's seated now that's gonna bother me <laughs> no, i don't walk into any rooms where anybody's seated anymore oh my goodness it's gonna happen even if everyone's standing up but it's just that self-belief lauren no just choose it yeah i know that it, there are advantages to getting older <laughs> like i don't care i hear you but you know it's it's it will take time it's i'm not trying to say it's something that you can switch on and off for some people. It can be that easy, but it'll take work and it's reminding yourself. And it's as you walk into that room, once you have chosen your self-belief, walking to that room and, and really saying, Karen, you're great at making friends. Karen, you're great at making friends. Karen, you're great at making friends, right? And speaking that to yourself. And then it starts to replace, oh my God, Karen, they're looking at you. What if they think, what if they say, what if they think that you're, and you replace it with that other conversation, but it has to be a choice. That's the biggest thing. It has to be a choice. So if we want things to go a certain way, we have to choose it. And quite often we can't, we either go with the flow, right? And quite often, I'm going to say this one, people fake it till they make it. Right. Right. And I, I'm a non-believer of that. 
Right. Well, you're saying to replace all your, what do I believe about myself to be true? And then where does it come from? And replace that. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, the whole, let me tell you my, my rationale around fake it till you make it. If you fake it, the person you're showing up as is just not you. And what you'll continue to do as you grow into different spaces is you're still not being yourself and you're not being true to yourself. And do you know how hard it is to keep faking it? Because it doesn't stop. You can't stop it one day. So I would rather have you judge me for Karen Donaldson's small wrists. She talks a lot and she asks a lot of questions. Then you choose if you're going to spend time with me or not, then me fake and pretend that I'm a quiet soul. Do you know how hard, how hard that would be for me to sit and pretend that I'm quiet when I'm not? Yeah. And I, I'm just saying that as a comparison because that's essentially what we do when we fake it till we make it. No, show up as you because you believe you're enough. Knowing that people will judge you. Knowing that some will like you, some won't. Some jobs you'll get, some you won't. Some clients will be attracted to you, some won't. Some friends will like what you do, some won't. That's how it's supposed to be and it's okay. Okay, and how, I can, I can already hear the questions. How do you get to the place where you know you're enough? Ah, good question, I love this one. Here's the reality. I don't want you to get to a place that you know you're enough. I want to remind you that you're enough. We were all placed on this earth, and I'm not even going to talk about faith. I don't care what you believe in or don't believe in. We're all placed on this earth as unique individuals who are different than the other party, the other people. Even if you're a twin, a triplet, identical, fraternal, we are individual beings, and we were born enough. And as a young child, I just want to show you how we've been groomed and socialized to think that we're not enough. We're born, we're babies. Okay, we, we have our parents who, who uh, take care of us, things like that. As we grow into a toddler, all toddlers are fearless until the adults and authority figures around them tell them no, what they should and shouldn't do. And that's okay because that's for their safety, but it goes deeper than that. Then we're educated in a system where we're told that if we don't think a certain way or if we don't get five right answers on the test that we're wrong and we're not enough. So do you see, I just want to pause there. That's not who we were born as. That's what we've been taught. So the work is to ask yourself, and I'm going to go back to it. What do I believe to be true about myself? Because you as is underweight, overweight, I don't care the color of your skin, whether you're educated, if you have $5 in your account, or 5.5 million or 5,000 in your account. We are equal, Lauren. We are the same. And the only reason you will feel different is because you're spending time comparing yourself with other people out there. We're supposed to be different. And what I challenge you with is pulling back and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, if I compare, I'm going to see these big differences. However, what do I love about myself? What do I like about myself? For some people, that will be a hard conversation, but it needs to be had. You know, one of the exercises I encourage my clients to do when I'm doing, you know, confidence coaching is literally, and this is my work, it's called mirror work, but looking at yourself in your eyes, in the mirror, 
and saying in the third person, so I want you to use your name, Karen, you're enough. Karen, you're worthy of everything great and everything good. Karen, you are enough as is. Karen, you are worthy of everything great. And that exercise alone will push some people out of their comfort zone because you are speaking to you. And for some of you, I'm going to say it, you might come to tears, but you have to push through it because we are now speaking to ourselves and we normally don't. We don't speak to ourselves. Just think about that, Lauren. We don't. Do we ever speak to ourselves? Maybe in our head, but eye to eye, we never do, right? So when we speak a new truth to ourselves, we start to internalize what's true for us. So that mirror work is huge if you do the work. So if you're willing and you're open to say, you know, Karen, I want to feel like I'm enough. I want to show up more confidently. It starts with your self-belief and just say those two statements in the mirror, in the morning, as you brush your teeth or you get yourself ready or just do it diligently in the morning and before you go to bed and watch the shifts that take place in how you show up and how you start to think about yourself. Yeah, I was taught to do that a long time ago. And I was taught to look right in my eyeballs and not look at my hair, not look around. Like you got it. it. <laughs> into myself and first I felt like an SNL skit but you get over that and it does make a difference I do a spin with Angela she's so amazing but she does you are enough yes <laughs> say you're enough mm-hmm. <laughs> find yourself with great people too if you can't you listen to some great things online I mean for podcasts and, and YouTube but yeah uh, you surround yourself with the right people and and like consume the right information as well Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely, it's the people you surround yourself with. I see that you are a body language expert for Cosmo and women's health and things like that. How, how does that work and how did that happen and what do you do for them? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's been fun. So I, my, you know, people ask this question, well, Karen, where does your communication and your body language training come back, come from? And I have, just to let you know, I went to university and I have a Bachelor of Applied Science that has very little to do with what I, I do now. However, that first chapter of my life, so where I was initially a professional dancer and dance choreographer, uh, I grew into roles of artistic director of a youth performing company. I've produced, I've done choreography for theater and dance productions as well. And a part of, of movement is being able to convey a message through body movement. So a mixture of that and self-study, that's where my schooling comes in with the air of communications and my experience of being on stage, but yeah. body language more so the arts and dance. And what happened, how did that happen? I have a colleague that I work, work with over here in Canada and she sent me an email and she said, Karen, could you read the body language of how someone is holding their iced coffee? Right? So I'm like iced coffee, I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, can you do it? I said, absolutely, because based on how people place their fingers, it's telling of how they feel inside. And so you basically convey that with how they're holding something. And I did that for Cosmopolitan magazine and they loved it. A lot of great reviews. And now they, I'm it's just, it's ongoing. So they call me when they have any body language um, articles or anything that needs to be decoded. And then all of a sudden I heard from women's health and they said, Hey, I know you write for Cosmo. Do you think you could do this? So I literally at this time, they send me celebrities and I decode their body language. So recently it's been quite a lot of couples. I do so for national and local TV over here in Canada, just getting started in the States, I will decode, you know, the presidential debate. 
I'll decode any other debates. I'll decode people doing presentations online, on TV, things like that. And so, you know, I'm called upon by Women's Health, you know, two to four times per month, Cosmo, Bustle, and some other magazines and things like that. And it's so much fun. It's just fun. Yeah. (laughs) So what are the most common uh, body language movements that you interpret? Well, when it comes to, so let's go to, let's go to the news. So when they, when I'm brought onto the news, the whole thing is people want to know if the person who's speaking is telling the truth and do they mean what they're saying or one, do they believe what they're saying? And number two, are they telling the truth? And so based on facial expressions, hand gestures, and where they touch on their face. So quite often, if I'm viewing it online or on TV, I can see anywhere from the hips up or kind of the shoulders to the top of the head. So I can watch your hand gestures and read that. So a couple of quick things for anyone. This is just useful in life. And you don't have to be a trained body language expert to read people's body language. We can literally tell when someone's happy or sad without them saying it. So some of it is innate to us and some of it, it comes from human behavior from a young child. So one thing is this, when someone is someone's speaking to you and they're scratching their nose quite often, they may not be telling the truth, right? The other piece is this. Wait, if you, wait, wait. Of course. How about what's the difference between scratching the nose and going sniffles? Well, here's the thing. When you read body language, it's situational. So Lauren, if you and I meet for tea and I see you have a cold, I can't say, oh my goodness, Lauren's lying. So the, the, there's two different acts. So scratching the nose, like take your fingertip in your nails and scratch the tip of your nose. That is alluding to you saying something that's untruthful. I'll get to the other one in a moment. And one of the reasons is this, when we're nervous, when we're not telling the truth, our blood rushes to the surface of our skin and the, on our face, the outmost surface of our skin is, our, is the tip of our nose, right? And so that can allude to someone lying. It's, you can't fully read it all the time. It's situational, right? If I ask you a question and you touch your nose, I'm like, uh, I'm kind of nervous about that answer there, right? Now, yeah. if you're rubbing your nose underneath, so take your, your index finger and kind of rub your nose underneath, that, that, is, that mimics or that basically signaling, signaling you being unsure about what you're saying, right? So if I ask you a question, Lauren, you know, are you coming to meet me for dinner at six o'clock today? And you're like, yes. And I see you rub your your finger under your nose. You're actually unsure about what you're saying. Ah. I don't fully believe you. You haven't decided. So it's small cues and micro gestures that we're reading. So that's one. And anyone here who is, you know, online dating is a thing right now for whatever age, or even when you're speaking with people, when you look at someone, whether online or face-to-face, and you're speaking, and they keep touching their throat, that means there's something they want to say, but don't know how to say it, or are nervous about saying it. Good one. Yeah, these are things that I read for, you know, you know newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Okay. <laughs> With the news, especially when they're telling, how do you know when they're telling the truth? And Good question. Here's the thing. With the news, I, I more so read, read politicians. The other thing, though, is if politicians have a great communications manager, communications coach, then they're trained in body language. So I read as much as I can. I can tell when someone's been trained. So for example, if I've seen this at political debates and they're like, well, do you believe that the sky is blue? right? And the person is saying yes, but they're shaking their head no. So they're saying, yes, I believe that the sky is blue, right? 
I know internally it's not true because you're shaking your head no, although you're verbally saying yes. So watch that cue. It's quite interesting when someone's saying yes, but they're shaking their head no. They truly mean no. Yes, yes. <laughs> that. Are there other things like scratching your nose or holding your throat? Well, a couple other things that I want to leave you with is this. When you are speaking to someone and you want to share good news or you want to have people feel inclusive or a part of what you're speaking to. When you speak with your hands, you want to make sure that your palms are facing the ceiling, right? That denotes positive. That means I want you to be there. That denotes interest. Now, if you want someone to feel, well, if you place your hands and your palms are facing down towards the ground, that denotes or signals that you're saying something negative or you're going to tell them no. And this, let me show you, this actually stems back to childhood. So think of your parent or your guardian when they told you no, they always pointed their finger with no, or their hands were down saying no. They never raised their hand and said no. You know what I mean? So that's training as a human. So you always want to watch that as well. And that's one of the ways, you know, when I train politicians, if you want to be inclusive, you want to make sure that our hands are above our waist if you're standing up and your palms can be seen. It shows honesty, transparency, and trustworthiness. So you want to show your palms when you're speaking and try not to have them face the ground. Very good. Any other for, I'm not dating. That, that is certainly for sure. But any other dating tips? Oh, for sure. There's so many. Okay. Let me see. Now, if you want to know if they're into you more so, so if you're looking, if your partner that you're trying to attract is a female, if she leans her head to the side and she showcases her neck, it shows that she's interested in you, right? Because what happens is our neck, our, I can't remember the name of the artery, one of our largest arteries are in our neck. And when we're feeling vulnerable and comfortable, vulnerability in a comfortable way, like I, I want to get close to you, I will showcase my neck. So if someone is interested in you, they'll lean their head to the side or tilt their head. And it also shows that they're interested in paying attention to you as well. So now, like this, would this apply to my husband too? If I wanted to show interest or... Oh, totally. Yeah. If you, if you're, sorry, if you're not really listening, but you want to showcase that you're listening, put your head to the side. Yeah. So I'd be like, hey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a tilt. Yes. Yeah. That's what it's, it signals to the other person. I honestly. actually saw in one of your articles in Cosmo or, or Women's Health or something like that, you were, you were interpreting a couple, a celebrity couple that way, like, oh yeah, they're good. Cause she's got, she's leaning to him that way and was showcasing her neck. I think that's what I saw. Oh, for sure. I mean, so, so here's the thing. If you even think about just think about face-to-face -face interactions, we all have personal space. And when you allow someone, we only allow people that we'll feel close to, comfortable or we're intimate with into our personal space. So when you have someone snuggling your neck, I can tell you you're intimate. So it's not always a good thing to read. And I try not to do it unless I'm hired to do it because I can tell like when I walk into uh, an office for training, I can tell who's friendlier than they should be. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's What's the most common question you're asked about with body language? Hmm. You know what? There isn't, a, there isn't really a common one. Like it's, it comes down to dating. It comes down to uh, relationships. You know, how can I tell if they like me? That's one of the things. Like, how can I tell if they're into me? So I, I don't have to waste time. And when on the professional side of things, um, you know, how can I pe keep people's attention? How can I show up and command more attention and look more confident when I'm speaking? 
right? And when we talk about looking more confident, you want to ensure that your back is erect and your shoulders are slightly back. That's just a confidence stance. The other piece is never back away from eye contact, right? Because that shows that you're, you're not confident and you're submissive. Like that's literally what it means. So you want to maintain eye contact. And I know a lot of people have been trained, okay, if you're afraid of eye contact, look at their forehead or look at the top of their head. And I'm here to tell you never do that because it will look as though you're looking right at my forehead or the top of my head. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, is, is something on my face? Look people square in the eye. Yeah. Right? That's another piece to own your space and command attention in a professional space. Um, the other thing is, you know, how do I shake someone's hand and what does this handshake mean opposed to another one? You always want to number one, make sure that no matter if you're a woman or a man, make sure that your, your handshake is firm. When I work with either diplomats or politicians, if someone wants to kind of overpower the other person you shake their hand and you grab onto their elbow or their forearm that shows that i'm in control so there's a lot of, of people who hire me to learn how to show up with more power i have sales teams that i work with where i show them how to quickly build rapport and connection with your potential clients there's people i, I work with when it comes to relationships so it depends on the setting Somebody who's having a hard time in the morning, hard time getting up, just not motivated at all. What would you tell that person? Here's what I tell them. It wouldn't be just in that morning. So if you're feeling unmotivated in general, here's where it stems from. You haven't made any concrete choices in your life. And let me step back for a moment. We are either creatures of habit or creatures of choice we need to lean more to being the creature of choice. Everything that happens to us to a certain extent, I'm not talking about young kids here where they can't make decisions or someone's making decisions for them, is based on our choices. And if you're feeling unmotivated in the morning, know that you're waking up and you haven't, chose something to, you haven't chosen something to focus on that can fuel you, right? Now, if you're getting up in the morning and this has been a week of happening, I'm just unmotivated. I'd ask you, you know, what are you focused on? Like, what are you working on? What's your focus this week? And when I say working on, I don't mean, okay, what's your job? What are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to this week? What actually drives you and choose something and get up and do it. So have a plan. And when I say plan, Lauren, I don't mean, okay, at nine o'clock, I wake up and have coffee and at 12 o'clock, I do a workout, that type of thing. Like, what are you working towards? What are you working towards? Like depression, a lot of depression. And I'm not a doctor, but I've worked with a lot of, a lot of my clients, my clients are doctors and things like that. It stems from people not choosing to make a choice about something. And when we have a lot of choices to make and we refuse to make it, it causes confusion in our mind. It causes chaos. And when we have too many choices at time and we refuse to choose, we step back. We stay enclosed. We become unmotivated because we haven't chosen something to focus on. So if that's you, I'd ask you, you know, what is your focus for that week? What do you actually want to do? Identify something and focus on it and take a couple of steps forwards, right? Like even if you're, you know, my, my intention for the day, maybe you're out of work and I get it. We are in interesting times right now. And there are times throughout five years ago, 10 years ago, and 
10 years to come, there will always be interesting times because as we wake up each morning, in truth, we're not sure what's going to happen the next day, right? Because that's actually out of our control. But what you have control over is your choices. So ask yourself, you know, what do I want to do for myself? And choose it. And put yourself on a mission to actually do a little bit of that each day. But if you're unmotivated or you're waking up and you're feeling, you know, kind of groggy each day, speak to someone. Number one, I'm not a therapist. Speak to someone if you need the support or reach out for help. Or the other pieces also choose. Choose what you want to do and focus on and take steps forward. Even if it's, you know what, I want to do this. I don't know how. But what I'm going to do is reach out to three people who do know how to do it. Because now when I wake up, I'm like, okay, I still don't know how to do it, but I know I'm going to reach out to Lauren because she, I know I want to do a podcast. I don't know how to do it, but I know my friend Lauren does one and I know X, Y, Z. And today I'm going to reach out to Lauren. So it's that practice of choice and taking back ownership of, of what we have control over, which are our choices. That was amazing. <laughs> I love that answer. I completely forgot my next question because of that. I, I just love that answer. Did you expect that you'd end up here where you are now? Uh, yes and no. So in this field of communication, body language, confidence, I didn't have a clue. I'll tell you, uh, after I graduated from high school and, you know, a bit more of my story, I found I was pregnant. I came back to school. I decided to have my daughter and I couldn't take my scholarship and I deferred my acceptance to a local university. And I knew that I did not want to work for someone because as I shared with my first chapter of my life, I was always paid as a dance choreographer, instructor. I was paid to do commissioned choreography and things like that. So I always had a little side job. And as I graduated with my Bachelor of Applied Science and I went to work for the city, I now realized what it was to work for someone. I'm like, whoa, I don't like this. So I continued to work on the side and do keynote speaking and of course dance choreography. And I knew I would not work for someone for my, the rest like for, for life. That wasn't for me. And it was a decision, you know, after I got married, we have three kids, my husband and I, it's 17 years now, but nonetheless, three kids. And over here in Canada at that time, when you go off for maternity leave, I was getting, for one of my jobs, I was getting 75% of my salary. And my last job, I was getting my full salary. So we decided, okay, while we have kids, I'm going to be employed at a great job that'll pay us for that whole year off of maternity leave, my full salary. And as soon as that was over, my last son, I think uh, a year, I was out of there. <laughs> and I went on my own. So yes, I knew I was going to be on my own. I didn't know specifically what. I'm glad I went with my gut. I had so many people, Lauren, telling me, well, Karen, who do you think you are that you're coaching politicians? Who do you think you are that, you know, I had people at my workplace. My last position was with the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Ontario, and I was their senior partnership specialist. And I had peers saying, I'll see you back in two years. I'll see you back in five years. Most businesses fail after two to five years. And this is me 10 years going into my 11th year later. I had so many naysayers. Like, that's the thing, guys. Like, we will always have people who will not champion us. Sometimes it's, be it's actually because they're negative. Sometimes they want to try and keep us safe. And the way they do that is by holding us close and keeping us with what we know. Keeping us small. Yeah. Keeping us small. But another part, and I say sometimes, this is with our parents, and I'm going to speak specific, specifically for me. My mom was saying it so I'd stay safe. 
Yeah. She knew safety. She worked a full-time job. She has a, she got a great pension and she knew I, I was at a job that had a great pension. So it's what they know. So I had to stop taking offense and taking on other people's opinions and say, you know what? I'm choosing this for me. I love it. I know I do it well. And I'm going to get, I'm going to step forwards. And even if I get a pushback, I still know I'm good at this, Lauren. And I still know I can help people. And like, that is the mindset I walk forward with. So everyone like really needs to find what you're good at and know. So that whole question around judgment, know that judgment will always come. It doesn't matter how good you are. There will always be one person saying, well, did you see what Karen and Lauren were talking about? Who do you think they are? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I always use the example, if I had $10,000 and I gave my family and friends a hundred bucks each and I kept none for myself, there will be one person in that group who will say, well, I've known Karen since she's been 10 and I helped Karen do X, Y, Z. How dare she also give Lauren, she just met on this podcast, a hundred dollars too. We can't please everyone. <laughs> but you see, Lauren, when we're happy with ourselves, we show up as the most positive version of, the, of, of ourselves and the most positive person out there. And what it does is it shows the other people around you that it's okay for them to be themselves too. It's okay for them to try, get knocked down and be picked back up. That's what we do. And that's how we shine a light for other people. It's by you showing up as the best version of yourself, believing that you're enough, believing Karen with her small wrist and her lopsided smile is enough. And now I can make space for people who say, well, you know what? I've got small wrists too, or I have skinny ankles and I don't care because I am me. And then the next five people who are probably watching who might not say anything and most likely won't, all of a sudden are like, you know what? I'm fine as is and I've always liked this and I'm gonna try it because I like it. And then that's how we support. That's, that's one way we can indirectly support people around us by being true to ourselves and showing up and loving ourselves as is. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And then somebody else takes that leap. You got it. And the world's expansive enough for all of us. So room for all of us, more than enough room. Hey, oh my gosh. I just love having you as a guest. And I know, tell everyone about your website and about what you offer on there. Oh, indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So if you want to stay connected, please visit me. I have, I'm going to share two websites. The first one is my name. So www.karen donaldson inc inc.com and that will tell you everything about me uh, you know if you want me to come and speak at your events or do workshops or do some training and on the other side of things i have a website called speakconfident.com and that's where you will see a lot of free resources around owning your voice owning your confidence being more comfortable in your own skin in different settings and on there you know i want to invite everyone to come to speak confident.com and I have a do-it-yourself confidence boot camp for women and confidence boot camp for men and it helps you increase 
your ability to speak up with ease. It shows you how to master your body language. And it, once again, it shows you how to be comfy in your own skin in any setting. So I welcome you to speakconfident.com. I know Lauren will have that posted somewhere later as well. Thank you. It'll be on our website. So Karen, thank you again for being a guest on for 52 Weeks of Hope. I look forward to talking to you and speaking with you soon, especially when you're here in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed listening to Karen as much as I did and that we can all take the self-esteem, genuineness, and positive connection she inspires into our week ahead as we own, choose, and redefine what we believe about ourselves. Remember, whatever we choose to think about ourselves is true. Be sure to tune in next week for another uplifting, empowering episode of 52 Weeks of Hope when successful executive coach Stacey Gorin joins us discussing how she deals with what's happening in the world today the tools she uses and suggestions for all of us. After working at IBM for decades, knowing something was amiss, she got in touch with who she is, what she wanted, and today thrives as a coach, helping others reach their goals and how you don't have to wait so long to take that leap in your life. As a coach, mom, and a friend to thousands, Stacy mentors others in their careers and life goals. She tells us how to listen to our inner calling and take that leap of faith without waiting so long. Be sure to tune in and listen to chatty, insightful, honest Stacey Gorin. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a positive review, and send us feedback on our website, 52weeksofhope.com. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.